Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I am Blake Fisher, and I am joined by Kyle Simmons and Chris Monier. I switched them that time, fellas. Just putting you in a different order. Yeah. What's know. happening? I'm so confused. I don't know. Well, why'd you do uh, that? I'm scared. I don't know. Just thought I'd switch it up just slightly. Um, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen. Uh, that way the podcast just show up when we release new episodes on every other Tuesday. Also, if you like the show, we'd love it if you gave us a review. That would be fantastic. Five stars preferably uh, because we print those out and show them to our parents so that they can be proud of us. Mm-hmm. And if you don't give us good reviews and subscribe you will be responsible for making my parents less proud of me than they already are. Okay. So that's your bear. That's your thing to bear. Okay. So yeah. Good reviews. Well, good. Yeah. Well, it gives us an excuse to print something out. You know, I don't even own a printer. So I just call mom when we get a good review. Mm-hmm. Send her print a screenshot. Do you, do you She's like, why them? is this one? Why does this one have two stars? I'm like, no, it's good. Just print it out. <laughs> it's better just than one. For the record, I don't, I don't print yeah. anything less than five stars. I only print the good ones. It's nice. Save that selective. ink. It's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it is very expensive. Uh, anyway, today we are talking about the uh, 1998 album by MXPX called Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo, which I think is a great album title. That's just my first little tidbit that I would like to say here. And I believe Chris did the kind of research for this one. So take it away, Mr. Monier. There is surprisingly little information about this record on the internet. I had a little trouble. I mean, I am... A MXPX super fan. Uh, definitely, anybody knows me probably knows this is my favorite band. Uh, has been since I was a young, young dude. Young lad. Um, yeah. So, um, so I'm going a little off the cuff here, just based on my own knowledge, just based on what I remember. But also, you know, some facts like I, I'm I'm not quite sure where this was recorded. I know Steve Kravak was the producer. Um, I assume they did it at his studio in. I think he did most of his work in California. I'm not sure. Not sure how much that matters. Um, it was recorded in the fall of 1997. Although, if you go to um, the Wikipedia page, interestingly, it says recorded in February 1998 and released in 1998 of the month of June, uh, which, if you're counting, means that they recorded it after they released it. Interesting wow. fact. That yes. does, yeah, that made it on Wikipedia? Oh. Hold on, wait a minute. You're saying it, it said it was recorded in. What month? February of February of nineteen ninety eight, and was released in June of June nine- of nineteen ninety eight. Okay, well that would still be a gap, but not very much of one. No, no, that's right? the that's the past. Oh, the past. Okay, never mind. June is before February. No, it's not. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I was like, Man, wait a minute, major brain fart. That's okay. God, <laughs> we'll get you working too hard. We're gonna get you a I calendar, February, Chris. I thought February was in the fall. 2020 has been hard for all of us. It's made time and months not matter. And so, yeah, um, <laughs> the 45th, still, Thursday, that seems, the 45th of February. Uh, yeah, that could no, have happened, really, but yeah. that still seems like a short, I would say the fall of 97 seems more realistic because you're not going to record in February and maybe that's what schedule uh, yeah, an album thinking. release in June. I don't know. That seems very short, even for a uh, pop punk band in the late right. 90s. That seems right. short. Well, it, so this was kind of a major label release. The band was on. Tooth and Nail Records, um, yeah, they formed in 1992. They'd been on Tooth and Nail Records since I think 94, 95 is when Poconatcha came out. So they've already been banned a long time. Um, they, you know, the, uh, Life in General had come out in 1996 um, and had a song on it called Chick Magnet, 
which we all jammed out to with our straight edge beats. Uh, that got the band on the radio. So um, A and M kind of did a co-sign deal with Tooth and Nail Records. The, you know, maybe one of the first of these deals, you know, from our generation where the indie labels kind of pairing with the, you know, where you kind of have like the minor leagues and you get pushed up to the major leagues. It's a great analogy for what's happening with those kind yeah. of deals. <laughs> so you, uh, so, so what, so what happens is A&M records, uh, you know, gives this record a decent push, but this is 1998. This is not, you know, we don't have some 41 on the radio yet. We don't have this pop punk amazing thing yet. So they, they put some money behind the record, but not, I mean, nothing crazy. Um, the, you know, the guys, uh, did a spread in, um, I think Rolling Stone um, after the record came out. And, um, you, you know, you kind of saw them in some press somewhere. They also sent out a thousand CDs to all the fans to kind of surprise them before the record came out. So it got a decent push, uh, but nothing crazy. Bill, Billboard, like, debuted at, I think, like, number 99, something like that. Nothing crazy. Um, but this record was kind of them growing up a little bit. Um, it was a really, really good record. Um, and, and definitely one of... Uh, I don't know, man. It's kind of peak MXPX for me. Like they have a lot of good records since then, but this was, this was the time, man. Uh, it was uh, if you're an MXPX fan, this was probably the most exciting time to be listening to this band. This is when they were touring the most. They were on Warp Tour, opening up for Bad Religion, opening up for Blink One Eight Two. It was a really cool time for the band. Um, so and and uh, yeah, that's kind of my spiel about the record. Uh, Kyle, Blake, if I left anything out, please fill fill in the gaps for me. Well, I'd like to say we're just blowing through the bands with bassist lead singers, by the way. I feel like Kyle's oh. trying to sway oh. the public's opinion on, uh, you know, maybe being anti-guitar lead singers. I don't know. I feel like we've gone. Are there other bass player lead singer bands that we haven't done? Or did we just well, do all three of them in a row? We're doing Rush next week, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cla- <laughs> classic emo band from the early knots. Uh, very funny. Uh, although, you know, Coheed and Cambria, basically, right? I mean, yeah. very similar. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, I don't think I have anything to add, especially a, a sort of note on this uh, episode is that I am not a huge MXPX fan. I really yeah. never listened to them. I didn't dislike them. I just never got into it. They're, they're one of those bands that I think a lot of everyone I knew probably liked them. And somehow... I've got this stupid contrarian thing in my brain that just kind of like, I don't know. Uh, and I just never heard anything that just made me go, oh, I got to check that out. I've certainly heard a lot of these songs, and I know that I'd heard this album. Chris and I were talking about before when we picked to do this episode, and I was like, I don't think I've ever listened to that. Of course, at the time, uh, I was thinking about a different MXPX record because I, I got it mixed <laughs> up, and I took notes on the ever-passing moment and listened to that. Uh, either way, I hadn't thought I'd heard either one of them, but I had heard both of them, but hadn't. I'd say actively listened. So yeah, I figured the songs would kind of feel familiar to you because I know we would have listened to it together. I mean, we all had CD players. There's only so many song, only so many albums you'd listen to at a time anyway. So right, uh, and that was back uh, pre playlist. We were rocking albums all the way through in the car and or the band van. Uh, so I'm sort of an outside opinion on this. I'm gonna be kind of the weird one that gets that really listened to this 22 years later <laughs> instead of in 1998. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. But uh, Kyle, I guess let's go to you and say, what were your first impressions of this album in 1998 or whenever you heard it? So I loved it, but I love MXPX. I always have. And I think that when I, I think that there's like what I love about it now, maybe I didn't st- didn't love about it then I was like oh they're on a major label like what does this mean and like they're not on tooth and nail anymore because 
th- that's one thing I was going to ask you, Chris. Did you fu- read anything about like their relationship with Brandon Ebel and what happened? Because right. Yeah, and and I, I think the songs kind of tell the story. Right. So a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, clearly um, they feel salty about the way Tooth and Nail treated them, and right. and like so, I I as a young kid, as a young impressionable kid, I saw Tooth and Nail as this good Christian entity. Like, oh, it's a Christian label. They must all be nice people, and so honestly, this is this record for me is one of the first times that I that I actually had the thought, you know. Oh, maybe these people aren't nice, or maybe Christian music or Christian rock music is a weird idea. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it started here with me. So yeah, yeah. First impressions. I think I was scared, but I loved it. Well, scared. and there was also if you were if you were you know religious in a youth group at this time, you know, like it was really kind of. Like you didn't listen to secular music. It was kind of something you didn't do if you went to a very strict church. But you could listen to bands on Tooth and Nail. They were a Christian label. Mm -hmm. And according to people at my church, Christian labels typically gave all their profits and proceeds to charities. Of course. You know, uh, so it was was new to me to see. uh, I was like, this Brandon guy, like. A lot of smart business people there, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but there was also this kind of like unknown thing, like where, were they Christians in a band? Or a Christian. a Christian band, like what's going to happen on Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo? They, you know, they, you know, are they going to ring that bell? Are they going to touch those notes? So are they going to worship Satan time. on this album? Yeah, that's what. That's the only <laughs> direction you can go. You're yep. either yeah, you're Christian band <laughs> or you're worshiping Satan. Well, since this album uh, has 16 tracks, uh, even though it only clocks in at 40 <laughs> minutes, shall we get to track by track? Or do we want to talk any more about just like the general, we, I guess we don't know enough about the making of and stuff like that. I assume this is recorded to tape. Do you have any information about that? I mean, it's 1998. Yeah. I assume it's not digital, right? Right, um, right. Well, uh, the producer, Steve Kravak, was was kind of like putting out records for Tooth and Nail, like pop, pop, pop. So. Record sounds great, but he was also doing a lot of uh, uh, Brandon Ebel stuff, uh, Supertones, bands like that. My first impression from today, uh, because that's the first time like I actively listened to this album, so I apologize to all the rabid MXPX fans that are going to come after me <laughs> they're, they're uh, after come we release you. this. I've got a lot of friends. Do either one of you have MXPX tattoos? That's a question I need to Dude, have answered. So Chris and I, the last two times that he was supposed to to come into town, we have said that we should go to a tattoo parlor and get birthday buddy yeah. poking at your punk tattoos. We, okay. Yeah, it's going to happen. Don't, we don't okay, have it's going to happen. Wait, right. I'm you, surprised you, you don't, have... right? Still no? No, no. I've been like, my left arm is like all about the bands okay. I love. So like it, it, it it'll be on there. It's just, a I feel like some buffaloes on there would be perfect. Chris, you're from Oklahoma and this album. It would be yeah, kind of but, a, per- no, it, well, yeah, you, you, so you are not incorrect. That would be super cool. <laughs> or is that Blake, just everyone Blake, have that you don't tattoo? Get it. Right, right that's the tattoo okay. you get. Yeah, you just don't get MXPX culture. Like, the, <sighs> I'm you sorry. Know, if you're a fan, you get. You, get, you get the poking at your punk, and that's it. Yep. That's it? That's the only allowable MXPX or tattoo? His, you, yeah, you can either get him running or his face, yep. or his face like in an ironic way like on something else, yep. but that's about it, man. Okay, now we know. I didn't, uh, I'm learning things. Uh, But my first impression is that these guys are much better musicians in 1998 than most pop punk bands. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's way tighter than like, I mean, compared to Dude Ranch Mm. that comes out the year before. 
I mean, this is leaps and bounds sounds and played better, in my opinion. That was my initial thing that I just was like, huh, this is a lot better than I thought a 1998 pop punk record would be. Especially because there was a bit of like, there were some people that were like into just playing poorly, I feel like. Yeah. I'm not wrong about that kind of, uh, kind of punk thing where it's like, ah, we don't, we're so punk. We're not going to learn to play our instruments. Well, that was kind of a, right. I remember a lot of bands we played with that kind of had that attitude and it was really like, it, it wasn't a laziness. It was literally like, that was their plan. So anyway, yep. it's interesting. This is not that case though. So, uh, yeah, well let's jump into track by track then. Uh, let me keep my little thing and we will do under lock and key. Chris, let's go to you. Uh, I always go to you if you air drum first. And since you're air drumming, man. let's go to you. I'll never for, I'll, I literally have goosebumps. I'll never forget the first time I heard that song. I was so freaking pumped, man. <laughs> I like found I found the these credentials for an FTP server. And in the 90s, that meant it was like in some, you know, guy's basement, right? And somebody on some MXPX forum said, use this username and password, download these tracks, they're called this, and then play them on your computer, and it's the new MXPX album. And I was like, there's no way this is going to be true. I swear to God, guys, two weeks before the record came out, I had the whole record. It was even mixed different. There was in like different 98? parts. In 98? Yeah, 1998. Yes, I, I'm sorry, Mike. I didn't mean to steal your songs. I fully intended on paying when the album came out. I just couldn't wait. I was going to wet my pants. On dial-up, man. Probably, yeah, right? Dude. I mean- yeah, and And when I heard this song, I mean, it just came out swinging, dude. Uh, oh. It freaking rocks, and the breakdown in the middle. I mean, you can't nod your, you can't not nod your head. It's good stuff. All right, Kyle, I'll settle down. Yeah, you, you take a breather. Let's go to Kyle. <laughs> I mean, talking about under lock and key, first track. I, I love Chris's enthusiasm for this track. <laughs> he, he expressed all the feelings that I have. Uh, they, they came out swinging on this one. Like anybody that listened to the records before this, they're great, but they are not quite as, um, you know, together and clean. And, and like, I think even, I think that this is even aggressive for them. You know what I mean? So it, it rocked the first time I heard it, loved it. It is a awesome opening track. And I also, we've talked about this with a lot of other records, man, this is the wordy song, but I dig it. Oh yeah. He's throwing a lot of words out there. It is. Uh, again, I feel like we've not really done an album. I mean, I think there was one that we talked about that maybe the first track we were like, huh, maybe a little bit on. But, you know, again, this is a really good first track. It sets up the rest of the record pretty well. I mean, the, this whole record is one speed. There's not really uh, a lot of variations there or something. But uh, I feel like the long instrumental intro is a good way to kick off any album. I kind of like that, that it's like, 20 seconds before the vocals come in on a punk song, which is, that's a long time. Um, shall we go to tomorrow's another day? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Uh-huh.
Kyle. There's nothing quite like being sure of what's inside your heart. I freaking love it. I love this song. He's like, it's like they punch you in the face with the opening track, and then they're like, no, we're not done punching you in the face. And they keep punching your face. Well, but I feel like they like tricked us by the the first of the song feels like, oh, we're taking it down a notch after the first song. And then they're like, nope, tricked you double time. Well, and then, and then and then also I should mention, even though that clip was perfect, Chris, you chose a perfect time for that clip. The, but it should have been a different clip. The, no, the, <laughs> no but, but the in case you don't know, the bridge is amazing. Yeah. So, uh, I we do find ourselves attracted to bridges. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's another thing that we always talk about on here is uh, people's bridges. Uh, Chris, what about your thoughts on the second track of the album? Well, so once again, like. I'm, you know, I'm in my room, I listen to this record. I think it was like one o'clock in the morning by the time I downloaded all the songs. And when I heard Mike say, you know, just know this, that God is faithful, even if you don't have faith yourself, I was just floored and relieved because as like, you know, a very religious young man, like I, I was having a little troubles, having kind of a, uh, a spiritual, um, stirring. Uh, what's yes. Like what, what, you know, what if this band I'm listening to isn't really, you know, feel about Jesus the way I do, you know, and, uh, you know, when he said that, it was, it was like, I was like, oh, thank God, second song, he comes out and he's like, hey, don't worry, guys, I'm so cool. <laughs> he, like, I, yeah, I like to party and stuff, but, you know, God is faithful. Yeah. So, I, 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 I think I cried. I was like, so excited. I was like, okay, cool. We're cool. We're cool, Mike. All right, good. Um, and then tomorrow's another day. I know it's a kind of a saying from the movie Gone with the Wind, but that was always, because of the song, that was always my, my theme that was always my like mantra um, was that you could always wake up tomorrow and do a little better. Uh, you know, I, it's not exactly Jordan Peterson, but it was definitely like it helped me. It helped keep push me push me forward. Has he considered being a motivational speaker, Mike Carrera? Any? He is. He is. He's does a motivational he do that? Singer. Well, yeah, I no, mean, he like, goes on stage and plays, and, and he but inspires. Like I said, no, I was never the big MXPX fan, so I'm not. This is never really listened. Now that I've listened to two albums in two days, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, he's he does a really good job of this like balancing of um, without trying to get too deep. I don't know. I feel like he's talking about like real things in a in a um, like really accessible way. If that makes sense, like I feel like most of the lyrics are not it's not like hidden deep beneath some metaphor or something like that. It's not trying to be super poetic. I feel like if you read the lyrics, you're not like what wouldn't be wowed necessarily, but the way they work in the song works really well. I don't know. I just feel like, um, I felt like I was really surprised by, there were several things that stuck out like that on this and the the album that came out after this, that uh, I was like, Oh wow, that's actually pretty, uh, Especially there's some stuff on Ever Passing Moment that I was like, that applies really well to 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and he wrote it 20 years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that that is a uh, a, a plus, uh, a, a good skill he has. Have you uh, seen them live, Blake? Uh, no, I have not. Wow. I can't believe that. I know. That. I'm really... I know. There's there, uh, there are a handful of bands from that era, like probably 98 to 2008 we'll call it that kind of swing where I never got into them for some reason, either it was because they had an album or something that rubbed me a wrong way. And then I just didn't give anything else a chance after that, or just, you know, what I heard didn't grab me enough. And there were other things that were grabbing me. So, 
at the time when you had to go buy a CD, you know, right. I couldn't just check it out on Spotify at the time. You really had to like, I'm going to go buy an album. You had to, you know, you had to com- commit 11.99 yep. to yep. the cause. Yeah. In 1998, I'm in eighth grade. So, I mean, I'm, I do not have uh, a lot of expendable income for albums. You had to, it, I had to really want an album. It, it wasn't worth skipping lunch two days in a row. No, it was not. I don't. I didn't even have lunch money like that. I was like on the cafeteria line in eighth oh, grade, man. man. It was. Uh, it was the old swipe the card thing that mom put the money on. I couldn't even. You couldn't use that at a record store. <laughs> there was no way to do that. I saved my uh, lunch money for records all the time. Yeah, I have I, no idea where I got money for records. I mean, I had. I mowed the lawn and stuff. That's what. That's that's where my money for records I came. Mean, you did. You did the right it, thing. I guess I was 16. I was a bag boy. The worst bag boy, by the way, in the history of Albertsons. <laughs> <laughs> I find that hard to believe, Chris. You're a smart guy. There's no, no way you're the worst bag guy ever. Dude, uh, you know how many times I shut a trunk and like I would hear like... <laughs> and I'm just like, oh man, there's soda getting all in that trunk right now. How do you break soda in the trunk? <laughs> By being the worst bag boy in Albertson's right. history. I already went over this. So is that a job where you're working for tips at that point? Yeah. Are you not getting very many because you're the worst bag boy in history? No, I crossed over bad into pity. So it was oh, all right. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, then they, they P- thought Pity you... tips are actually more. Hey, well, that works then. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, whatever gets you paid to get more records. All right, let's go to the final slow dance. Am I running out of time or am I at the starting line? I know I missed the mark and I just need some sort of sign. My words don't come out easily. So I will tell you honestly. No one wants to spend a Saturday There is, uh, there's something about MXPX that reminds me of, and maybe this is actually a lot of kind of pop punk, but I feel like they uh, harken back to a sort of 60s rock and roll thing just a lot faster. Like these chord progressions and melodies and uh, some of the like time signature changes and stuff in here are very much like, you know, what you would have heard from some, you know, 1964 or maybe even earlier rock and roll band, but obviously recycled and anew uh later kyle what do you think i mean i agree with you i think that that was kind of a thing that there was a small subgenre that was going on at the time you had bands like the huntingtons and the spivvies like they were doing that that's they were a part of it so uh yeah you you're you're good blake you're real good um i wasn't asking you to validate what i said more so uh yeah but well well I don't care what you're asking for. You're validated, man. <laughs> okay. I'm just making sure you guys know I'm not just like, please tell me I'm right about this. No, you are right. Um, but yeah, dude, I love the song and I love I love the the how it speeds up and slows down and it's awesome when it's fast and it's awesome when it's slow. It makes me think yeah. that you uh you can't if you're to tape, you can't um I maybe there are metronomes that you can do this back then, but I would think that you couldn't rock this to a click if you're changing tempos that often. Uh, so, again... I've I've been told by sources that... I, I mentioned this on another podcast, but of the punk drummers that play the Forbidden Beat, 
there are like two or three of them that are machines, and mm-hmm. Yuri Zane Rulli is one of them. And this is told to me by you know the guitar player for from the Descendants. It's like it's a it's a good source. It's Stevenson, you're at Rulli, and the drummer from No Effects. Those guys, and I'm Barker's like and a Barker, whole other category. But, different, but yeah. like these guys, those three guys, like they played the Forbidden Beat like a machine in the '90s. Like it was it was a well known thing that these guys could do it to a click. Yeah, and I would assume you're also having to play the at least the rhythm stuff live, like all together. So that's not. I mean, I guess you could dub the guitars afterwards if they weren't as good. But it sounds to me like they're recording the rhythm stuff together, and I think that's pretty. That's an accomplishment. Most most bands would not be able to do that, even in the digital times of editing. But on tape, that's uh, that's harder. Um, yeah, good song. Let's go to "I'm Okay, You're Okay." I'm away, I hit a stain, I'm away and you're okay You're hit a stain, I'm away, I hit a stain and I'm okay I'm away, I hit a stain, I'm away and you're okay You're hit a stain, I'm away, I hit a stain and I'm okay You tell me nothing's wrong Chris, let's go to you. You're pantomiming something. I want to ask Kyle a question. Kyle. Yes, Chris. Are there any cover songs on this record? Well, that depends. Um, are you counting bands that Mike Herrera is also in? Maybe. <laughs> well, then yes, Chris. Perhaps this is a cover song. Of... Of is it the cooties? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. That is a deep. Wow, I'm impressed, man. Yes. Sorry, so I, is... I just wanted. I wanted to test Kyle. That's like. That's like. Uh, that's like deep in the MXPX fandom. I'm legit. Okay, so <laughs> you are. <laughs> so catch me up. So it sounds like previous <laughs> band of my career. And this is a cover of one of his previous band songs. So yes, no? I don't know if it was previous. It or, was like what, okay. it like overlapped, wasn't it? Him and the guy from Ninety Pound Wuss and yeah, it was Dale Yob uh-huh. and uh, Tom played drums. And this the, the Cooties record came out I think like six months before this record, and it had this song on it. It was actually I remember thinking like this song really sticks out on the Cooties record. It's really good. Yep, uh, it's a great song. It's uh, again maybe all pop punk was influenced by. Um, you know, the Beach Boys, but this definitely sounds like it was. I mean, in a great way. Super catchy. Oh, yeah. I learned the words real quick. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Danny played this song at the talent show, Blake. What, uh, when? Your, what year were you in high school? Was oh, I pro- there yet? It probably would have been whatever talent show was after this record came out. Like, so, so you're fresh, like your sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was not around for that one. I think the first one I saw you guys play was, uh, um, oh, dang it, I'm not going to remember the song now. Uh, what I Like About You. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> that yeah, was no, fantastic. This song, this song was actually the single on the record. Um, it had a great music video that I stayed up all night watching Matt Penfield on 120 Minutes because he oh. actually had the guys from MXPX on 120 Minutes because Penfield loved these guys. I and missed they that came show. On. Yeah, yeah, it would be, it, yeah, it was a good show. But anyway, they're, um, it was like their first big budget music video. They're playing, they're like in a snow globe, and the snow globe keeps getting passed around to yep. people. 
Um, and I actually got on eBay, like I still have it somewhere, like a, a promo for the records, like a snow globe with a picture of them playing inside of the snow globe. And of course, a Poconaccio Punk snowman. Of course. What else would it be? Kyle, uh, do you have any other thoughts on uh, I'm okay, you're okay? I mean, not really. It's just super catchy and and awesome. Yeah, it's a great it's a great song. I absolutely remember hearing this one. Like it was very familiar when I heard it. But uh, I don't know that I. If someone would have played it for me, I don't know that I would have like attributed it to MXPX. I think I might have been like, "Yeah, I've heard that song," and not even realized it. If that makes sense. But now that yep. you mentioned the video, I totally remember that video too. So, uh, all right, track five, "Cold and All Alone." I love it. I'm still loving it. I'm on board. I'm digging it. It's it's awesome. Kyle has not gotten off board. Chris, what about you? Yeah, we got a lot of tunes to go. Solid tune. Way to go. Love it. Good job, MXPX. <laughs> it's gonna be the shortest. We're, we are one. We are not even a fourth of the way through. <laughs> or, or we just now are. Yes. Okay, we are uh, cresting to the second third of the album now. <laughs> Let's get to Party My House Be There. It's about time for a party at my house. And it wouldn't be the same without you. No, not at all. As I recall, you've got what I need. Bring along yourself and don't forget that smile. My note on this one is uh, you got to bring that smile, but not beer, because we still want Baptist to buy this album. Mm, yes. <laughs> yep. I was thinking the same thing. Fanta, Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola, yep. all things. Bring it all. Uh, hey, come to the not... party. Uh, be sure to bring your smile, please. Yeah. yeah. Everything now you else? get in trouble for saying that to someone, which yeah, is maybe. sad. I like to tell people to smile. It's like, come on. Hey, bring, if, bring a party, that smile. Don't come to a party and frown. It's, it's not cool. all how you say it, though. You're right. I feel like this is a nice way to do it. Like, yeah. Bring your smile. Like if you're like, I like, like it. You're, you're so much prettier when you smile. No, that's totally different. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say you can't say anything in that voice without it being. <laughs> you can't say anything in that uh, specific accent and voice. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, what are your thoughts on "Party in My House"? Be there. So okay, I'm gonna comment on "Party in My House" be there, but I also will make a blanket statement about everything we've listened to up until this point. Okay, please do. So yeah. "Party in My House" be there, great song, awesome, catchy, love it. It is weird to ask someone to bring a smile to your party, but you know what? <laughs> Whatever, it's his party. I don't think so. I like it. Yeah, um, it's you can it, like you can have a tire for a party. So why can't you tell someone to smile when they yeah. come to your party? I, I I'm mean, fine with it. I'm I'm okay with it. I just think it is. It's maybe a little strange, but I like it. But I was going to say, like, up until this point in the record, all of these songs, I remember being younger and listening to it, and I think that this record taught me the difference between something being, like, this band became polished on this record. 
they didn't become like I think maybe when I was younger I got it twisted with maybe like oh they're poppy but there's like and yes some of these songs are poppy but they are very much every one of these songs is very much a punk song like super fast yeah. the the forbidden beat like his the way that he sings it, it's just they they're a freaking tight band and they're super polished mm-hmm. and it sounds good and so um yeah, I think I think like maybe I felt conflicted at the time at first, like because it sounded so good, and I think it sounds so much better than um, Life in General. Uh, I still love Life in General, but I think it sounds so much better. Um, but yeah, I think man, and and it just keeps getting better. Like their musicianship on this record, the way that it sounds, the songs, like they, uh, I think they became punk rock men on this record. I think before they were boys. How old are they at this point? Like, how old are the guys in this band in 1998? Does anyone know? Quick Google search. If I had to guess, of, uh, uh, 18. Yeah. That I, young? I, I would, yes. Yeah, no, I, I want to say... They were playing tooth and nail gigs when they were 16. Yeah, no, they were young dudes. Like, I think they wow. maybe maybe born in the late <clears throat> 70s. That's uh, really impressive. Uh, yeah, born in 76, 98. I can do that math. They're 22. Yep. Yeah. So, just barely drinking age. <clears throat> That's pretty young uh, to already have several albums out, right? They've got three albums out, full yep. length albums at this point. Th- yep. Three albums and an EP. Yep. Yeah. That is very impressive. Uh, all with sixteen tracks on them too. Uh, good for them. All right. Yeah, uh, like punk rock uh, Mickey Mouse Club. Mm. They were like, <laughs> so in time they great. were like little babies. They that this is all he knows. You can refine your craft pretty good if you're doing it from the time you're 14 or whatever. Uh, I would have put periods. I mean, we talk about English a lot on this too. I would have said party period, my house period, be there instead of commas. That's just oh, okay. What yeah. I would have done. I, I think I agree. With the syntax here. Yeah, I think you go back. It's fine. I mean, it's not a huge deal. Also, I mean, if we're going back a couple tracks, is slow dance one word? Or is it two words? It's two words. I think so, too. But it is one word on the album. It's one word on the album, but... Yeah. Anywho, uh, how about the downfall of Western civilization? Here we go. Go. Man, uh, you, if you thought this was going a direction because of Party My House Be There, you were wrong because I feel like this track really ramped it back up. Those little guitar riffs are fantastic and they make me smile from ear to ear. That's what I would bring to the party is my smile after listening to the guitar riffs on this track. Chris. Yep, and that's because there's a guest guitar player. Who's the guest guitar player? Greg Hetson from Bad Religion, an amazing uh, guitar player. I remember, I remember the first time I heard this, I was like, "Man, Tom got really good, really <laughs> fast." That, you know, <laughs> that's awesome though. There's always, I feel like that happens all the time though. That I hear some like awesome guitar lick. I want to know like who played it, and then it's like, oh, it's some other, you know, someone I already knew of, but didn't, uh, you know, they just add their little flavor to something, and it's like you know something's different and good about right. that, but uh, can't put your finger on it. That's awesome. Kyle, uh, your thoughts on downfall of Western civilization. 
Uh, I love it. I love that it's like, I, I love that basically saying, dude, you, you don't know me. You can't judge me. I, I think that's awesome. And, um, I, I was going to say earlier, like the thing about being this young Christian kid and listening to this record and be also feeling like Chris and being scared, like, are they going to not be Christian anymore? And I know that's so stupid now, but at the time it was an actual thought in my head. And, um, I think that like, I feel like people our age, maybe a little bit older and all, and, and everybody younger, like we kind of thought it was cool to question authority. You know what I mean? And, and like, it kind of started with this for me. Like, this isn't the beginning, but like this band that I really like is like, Hey man, you don't, you don't know me. And like before this, it was just a Mardell band. And now I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you don't know them. So mom, leave them alone because they're on a major label, you know? That, yeah, you're no, not, definitely. And you're not on a major label. It definitely had those like vibes, you know, like, hey, you guys. Well, and, you know, it, it was interesting at the time, all this uproar about them being Christians, not Christians or whatever. I'm sure they were like, can we just like, like live our lives and do our job? And you guys just figure this stuff out later. I mean, who cares? Yep. You know, yep. <laughs> like in hindsight, I, I can't believe it meant so much to me. Um, I know, but it, it it did. You're right. It was like keep me up at night, like tragic. When I thought, like, oh my god, these guys, you know, what if they're not Christians? It was it was <laughs> awful. So this was a good song for Mike to kind of be like, hey, not only should you leave me alone, but hey, here's a guitar player from Bad Religion. What? Their symbols an upside down cross knocked out. What if they're not? <laughs> what if they're not Christians and and he loses his voice because he chose to walk away from God. <laughs> There's, oh, that uh, would be God just like sm- smote my Carrera. Uh, no, no, I'm not gonna worry about AIDS, any of that stuff. But this guy, this dude. voice out. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like it's uh, it's also pretty obvious that if you're in us, well, I mean, there's there's I think a pressure on m- any kind of probably band, not any band, but like anyone that's got a a pedestal of some sort, like that kids are putting them on specifically that I'm sure there's pressure that goes along with that sometimes that's like you trying to do the right thing. So, I mean, in 1998, we didn't have, I mean, other than Chris, like freaking torrenting something off some FTP server, most of us were not on the internet other than maybe AOL's homepage. And, uh, so, I mean, it wasn't quite the, like, you didn't know every detail of these people's lives and stuff like that. But I feel like, uh, Paramore has a really good song about that kind of, what, uh, what's that song called? It was like, uh, is it fallen idol or something like that or whatever, where she's just like, please don't put me mm-hmm. on a pedestal <laughs> kind of thing. Cause yeah. I'm just a human being and I'm still going to screw stuff up. Uh, and I, you can definitely hear some of that coming through on, on these. And I'm sure it was even more pressure if you've got the Christian label attached to you. Uh, Cause you're, you're probably like, whether that's external or internal or whatever, there's probably even more pressure to be like, try to, I don't know, always say and do the right thing. Um, and you know, we're all human. We all screw up. So I like that. Uh, he's like, you don't know me because most of the kids that or people or labels, whoever else was, you know, most people don't actually know these people that they're right. Judging one way or the other, uh, for good or for bad. So, uh, let's go to, uh, invitation to understanding. Please don't leave.
Kyle. Okay, I'm glad you went to me first because I'm I, I think you guys are gonna like this song, but I'm nervous that you're not, so I'm gonna get this out of the way. Like I I love these lyrics so much. I think it's such a well written song. Like there are not many songs I would say this about, but you know, this is a contender for my gravestone. Like that's how that's how much I love the lyrics to this song. I, I will say he, I think that he shows his age in the bridge. Like that's the one part that sounds a, a little bit young to me, but like the, all of the lyrics are just fantastic. What a what a good what a good good song. And that's I did. I looked up the lyrics. I mean, there were a few of these songs that stuck out enough to me that I like actually looked up like Googled the lyrics real quick when I was listening earlier. And this is one of them. Uh, that line about the TV was like so took me back to a time when it's like that was literally the truth. If you were home alone yeah. and. There's nothing good on TV. It was like, what the heck am I going to do? I mean, we, it's like <laughs> such, I mean, now I'm just inundated with stupid things that don't matter. And I just, I don't know. I feel like, um, I do feel like we are losing, this is me on my soapbox. I feel like we're losing a creative, uh, spark amongst uh, kind of like collectively as a community because we never let allow ourselves to get bored. Like never, yeah. like, we're always on our phones and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and uh, binging Netflix. I just feel like like without that uh, boredom, he's not writing 16. I mean, who has time to write music if you're if you're never bored? I don't know. I just feel like there might be and maybe that's me totally reading the situation wrong. I just know for me personally, it's been way harder in the last 10 years to be creative than it was the 10 years before that, just because of the technological changes and, uh, being inundated with so many ways to be entertained all the time. Uh, I kind of miss that. I'm a little nostalgic for being bored. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> all take it way too far. <laughs> no, I just thought, like, you kind of, you t- took me on a journey. That's like, exactly was... what it made me think of earlier. And like I said, this is the first time I'm listening to this album really, but that like immediately well, stuck out, it, like stuck out to me. I, I saw Henry Rollins on a speaking tour and I remember him like going off in this 10 minute rant about how much he hated good Charlotte and how stupid it was. They were always, always talking about their mom and how much they hated their dad. And like, yeah, it was funny anyway, but he, he was like, you know, if you really want to make good music, you know, just, you know, have a kid, tell him you don't love him, abuse him emotionally, lock him in a room with a guitar and an amp, and he'll come out in 10 years and he'll hate you, but he'll make great music. I feel like, so it kind of made me think of that. Uh, and yeah. You're absolutely right. Like, uh, Kyle, this song was, you're right. It does show the, the guy's 22. Like, I can't blame him, but uh, yeah, the melody of this bridge, I, it, I don't know, it harkened, it stirred up emotions. It was, it was a really well written song. I remember me and my buddies, uh, we we really liked to play this one just because the bridge was so cool. Because, uh, yeah, it was a good tune. Awesome. Let's go to, uh, we are now on the back half of the album, fellas. Track nine. We made it. We've made it oh, to the top of the hill. Going downhill now. Fist versus tact. <laughs>
Chris, you were air doing all the things. There was air guitaring. There was air drumming. I think there was the air. balls on these guys, man. Huge brass hanging balls. Major label debut, and they come out swinging with this freaking tune on number nine. This song rocks so hard. They I keep love kind of it. doing this. They go to kind of a swing, a swingy more kind of thing, and then they're like, "Just kidding." Double time, this is, super. This reminds me of all the bands we played with, at, like at Music Dimensions back in the day. Just like, yeah, yeah, super fast punk oh. bands. I was so excited when, when when I heard this song the first time I heard the record. And the cool thing is, if you really like it, you can listen to it over and over five times, and it's only been like three minutes that have gone by. Right? Yeah, it's a it's a very fast, <laughs> quick, like minute forty, I think. Um, Kyle, fist first tack thoughts. It's fast. It's punk. It's awesome. It's just it's awesome. And also, I love I love that they're like, oh, invitation to an understanding. This is like nice. And then it's like, no, we're not nice. And it rocks. <laughs> yeah, they did a good job with the uh, with the the track order on this. Like they they have like a for th- through sixteen tracks, you got to kind of give people a journey and they managed to do that. And now this is definitely a, just like pedal the metal, uh, after invitation to understanding, uh, let's go to what's mine is yours. I try to do what's right. I try to keep it open mind. I try to do what's right, but you're so unkind. But you don't own me. Chris picked all the clips for this one, and uh, I almost changed that one to the bridge, just because the bridge on this one is so good. But I kept yeah. it. I it, kept well, the clip. I think I think lyrically, like that that part was is important for what the song's about. I, I, agree. I completely I agree. agree with you. I, I struggled a little bit on this one. That's actually why I went to the middle instead of the very beginning. But yes. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to pick thirty seconds on some of these songs, and I'd say that is one of them. It's got some cool. Sp- cool parts on it and uh that would that would be my note I, I really did enjoy the bridge kyle thoughts do you have a bridge note on this one too kyle i mean the bridge is awesome you are correct i validate your opinion about the bridge thank you for validating um, my opinion again you're making me but feel that's so, all he ever wanted but, <laughs> so validated but dude so this this song is so punk rock and the fact that like this is Almost every record we've done has has like a anti label song, right? Yeah, and like, yes, like, dude, that is true. The, How about that? This is, I mean, <laughs> they've abolished slavery. Like, yeah. I mean, he's going. They're going hard at Brandon Ebel. I can't. Like, I wish that I could have been in a room with him when he heard this song for the first time. Like, dude. I don't I like do you laugh because it's so it's so extreme it's so harsh but also I want to go back to what I was saying earlier about like questioning authority like that started that started for me with punk rock them leaving this Christian label like that's in my own personal life I started to think outside of church and outside of you know like the way that I was raised and this song for me was kind of an introduction to like 
I think we all are a little naive, and I think people who especially who are who are raised in church, like there's this naivety to us that like we want to believe that the, these people who have this label of faith are good people. And for me, this was like a, an eye opener. It was like the first time that I realized, oh, I looked into the story about you know I, about what had happened with them and. Like Chris says, there's not a lot. It was all rumors back then, but we knew. I knew that this was about tooth and nail, and I knew I mean, that it's not subtle. No, and, and, you know and, what I mean. It's like talking about the the contract, the paper. I mean, it's like very clearly. Well, well uh, that and, I mean, and so I knew people who who said they knew things about the deal and that he was just robbing them blind. I don't know if that's true, but for me, it was it was like it was an. I remember this shift in the way that I thought with with this song it was like oh maybe just because people say that they're good or maybe just because people say that they're christian doesn't mean that they are and yeah and like well or doesn't mean that they're not flawed well, or that, I mean, like i mean like i mean right, even right they, yeah they, i mean lots of different degrees of that that's fair blake maybe, maybe that they're just human but but i mean i had never even considered that before you know what i mean right. like yeah if if they're labeled this then they're good um and you know, I was just, I was just a kid, so I didn't know any better, but like I started, I started to know and it's like I was growing up with them. I didn't get signed to a Christian label and then put out a major label record, but you know, like my, my journey in life was kind of on the same page as them or a page behind, you know? So. A page behind. Yep. That's exactly me too. I, I, if I could have changed lives with anybody up to the time I was 23, it would be Michael Arthur Herrera. Uh, I thought he had the best life ever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. if like, It's pretty hard to figure out which side was the right side when Brandon Ebel comes out with Let It Happen a few months later. Because, Blake, the, the story is, is that you know MXPX did this record. They co-released it with Tooth and & Nail, and, Tooth and, and they have one record left on their deal, I think. So Brandon Ebel releases this song called Let It Happen. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, um, band, or uh, album, um, which contained everything they had put out on a 7-inch record. Like, they used to put these 7 inches out. You had yeah. to get mailed to your house and listen to it on a record player. And it's got 32 tracks of un- unreleased material on it. So what would happen is people, you know, kids would go to the store like you with your lunch money. They'd have 12 bucks to buy a record, and they'd go, this song's got, this album's got 32 tracks on it. I'm going to buy it. And guess yeah. who got paid every time? So, yeah, I keep... I guess I, I after this song I hear I, I I picture Brandon Ebel in the room and he's like, "Do it, <laughs> release Execute the hounds. plan, yeah, let it happen." Uh, I mean, <laughs> story after story about stuff like that. I mean, from the dawn of the music business, it just sucks that it's like, um, you know, there. How many? Has there been? I'm sure there are stories of just people that are like, "It was awesome. I loved our label. Yeah, we never fought." I know. I was just they thinking never that. pissed me off. I mean, like I've just never heard. There, I mean, I guess that probably wouldn't make a VH1 behind the music back in the day. But it's like, it's all you hear about is, and it's it's always because some young naive band signed some deal that they shouldn't have, probably, but they probably don't get it without you know the when the label has all the money. You know, and back then you couldn't record and release something yourself, essentially. Like, you can't roll the dice on not um, on not taking that deal sometimes. I mean, and even right. if you have a lawyer kind of helping you do stuff, so much of that stuff was just standard. So, you're right. Like It's like, he had every right to release that record with 36 tracks on it or whatever, but it's 
still kind of a dick move. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, on paper, you're right. You have the legal right to do it. But man, God, that's just not cool. Uh, but I mean, just, I, like I said, I would love if someone knows a band that's like, I know a guy, they were, everything was great. It was perfect. My, my, my A&R guy is actually my child's gone, godfather. Uh, you yeah. know, he signed a, a deal that was really good for both of us. I worked mean, out great. Both made a little money. Very happy. Tom Petty Never sued, heard it. Tom Petty sued his own label for trying to change the price of all records based on his release or whatever. Like, just like sued him and was like, I won't put out stuff or whatever. I mean, like it just even at the height of its success. So you're just like, man, it just like it, maybe it just never, uh, uh, never, never gets better. Uh, I don't think it's gotten any better, certainly in the 20 years since this has been out, uh, as far as music business stuff goes, uh, we're still hearing the same exact kind of thing happening with like what Taylor Swift and her old label. I mean, it's almost the exact same story. You're just like, it's just, uh, never going to change. So, all right, let's go to self-serving with a purpose. Kyle, your thoughts on self-serving with a purpose? Uh, I I love that clip that you played. I love that guitar part. It's a just freaking awesome. Uh, also, I kind of feel like this song is like part two of the song before. Like, you know, I'm gonna keep talking about this a little bit. Yeah, and, we're not done yet. <laughs> and he drops the mic and he picks it back up. You know what? I have a few more things to say. Roll it again. Roll, roll tape. <laughs> Um, exactly what it sounds like. It's like, hold on, wait, I'm not done. And 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 I I always kind of loved that about it. So um, I I love that it, it, it's like in modern times, it's like when you text someone that you're pissed off at, and then like you realize that you didn't say everything that you needed to say, and 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 then you send that little extra text. That's what this song is. That's a bad idea, Kyle. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't send me extra text. <laughs> Uh, my, uh, my now wife, but back when we were just dating and very young, I mean, like, I think at one point we had to put a moratorium on texting at all. Cause it was just always <laughs> just like bad things happen when you, you pick that mic up one more time or pick up that text message one more time <laughs> and say the stupid thing that you should have said. Uh, uh, Chris thoughts on self-serving with a purpose. Yeah. I, I, I love this part of the song, but I, I unfortunately didn't get to add the, you know, the core, like which he sings the same refrain over and over again. I feel like when Mike, like, I, I feel like Mike tastefully chooses moments to, you know, have a chorus. It's like just a few words, like a, you know, a short phrase. And in this case, it's, you know, uh, don't, don't tell me I've changed. Um, and you know, he's like, I'm going to say this a thousand times in the song because I almost, I, th- this had to come from like a direct conversation. Like, you know, like you've changed, man. You're, you used to be about the music, not the money. He's like, yeah, but I want to get freaking paid too, man. I got bills. These guys were like, these guys were, uh, you know, on tour uh, with Bad Religion um, in Europe about this time. And I remember Tom talking about uh, in an interview, like they they didn't have money to buy food. You know, like they were broke, broke, broke. Uh, it was, you know, so I can't imagine how pissed they were when the, the first time they figured out how much money the label was making off of them, and they couldn't even afford sandwiches. 
my first thought on this one uh, that popped out to me like crazy, and I didn't know if either one of you would say it. The I'm not um, I'm not like you thought line. Is it not the exact same as I'm not like you guys from Aliens Exist that comes out the next year? Totally. It is. Oh, yes. yeah. The exact same melody, Whoa. cadence. Yep. Four of the same words. Yep. Yeah. And these guys were buddies at the time. I wonder if that was one of those accidental, like, brain I almost, they, I know, almost feel like it had webs. to have been. Yep. I mean, it's just the exact same. The tempo of the song, every, I mean, there's so much of it that was just like, that sounds just like, I mean, it's the opposite, though. It's that Aliens Exist sounds just like <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. this song, because, um, you know, unless he wrote it, I guess, earlier. That could could have happened, but, you know, we'll never know. Um, let's go to... Mike, come on the podcast, tell us, then we'll know. Yeah, Mike, you tell us when you wrote it, and then we'll get a hold of Tom if we can... We'll have to lure Tom in with some sort of uh, UFO conspiracy. Alien conspiracy? We'll tell him this is a UFO conspiracy uh, podcast, and then he'll come on and we'll bombard him with uh, asking about his old music. Mike lives in Waco now, so like he's just up the road, man. There you go. You can go bug him for that. I'll track down Tom in his bunker somewhere. I'm sure Tom has a bunker, right? I mean, we all think Tom Dolan has a bunker. He's got a private jet. I'm sure he's got a bunker, yeah. Yeah, he's got a private island or something. Uh, Okay, so that gives us uh, two for always. Mr. Simmons, man, this one hit hard. Like, I mean, at the time in my life, I was having the time of my life and I didn't want it to end. You know what I mean? So like that clip that you just played, the, uh, all the smiles, all all the tears. I never want those memories to fade. Like just hit me in the feels, man. I was feeling what Mike was saying. He, it's like he read my diary guys. And, and did you have a diary this time? I've never had it. I think I had okay. one diary. I think I had. <laughs> I was just one. wondering. I think, so it's not like that at all. I think I had my. It's it's like he read. He, <laughs> it's like he found my diary and someone else had written my thoughts in it because I did. <laughs> I, I, I did have I a did diary. Keep my own diary. <laughs> I had one diary. My parents got it for me when I was younger, and I was like, "What the heck?" And uh, I never used it. But I mean, I guess to be fair, like writing songs is kind. of, You know, I had a song. Yeah. I had a song journal, so I mean, I guess. Yeah. I shouldn't make fun of diaries or act like they're they're lame or weird, but no. But the thing about writing songs is that you get to like um, totally el- not elaborate, but you get to exaggerate. Yeah, like the artistic license. <laughs> and you yeah. get like only your side, and no, there's rarely a second opinion that comes in there. It's like this is how I. Uh, anyway, so yeah, maybe we get to kind of shape. It's like a kind of shaping the history of what actually happened. Um, yeah, I did not have a diary either, admittedly, in uh, 1998. Uh, all right, well, let's go to set. Oh, wait, no, Chris, you didn't get to say anything about this song. What do you guys think Chris. about it? Come no, it's a good song. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like it. It, it. I was thinking about that today, like, when I heard it, when I was listening to the record again, like, how close you were with your friends at that age. Yeah. I'm so close with you guys. You guys are my homies, but, you know, like, I do follow a few, like, younger people on Instagram when you see, like, them hanging out with their friends and, like, it's, like, the most important time of their life. And now I think, like... 
I mean, I haven't talked to Danny in maybe like six months, you know, like he's like literally probably one of my best friends. He was like one of the best men at my wedding and that's okay. Like it's just part of like getting older, you know, it's not a bad thing, but it, it, you, you, I, I'm kind of relating to you, Kylan, that like, I remember like the, the summer nights the, with your buds. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, Go, like be at like 2 a.m. and like hey i heard there might be like comets tonight let's drive out to middle nowhere and yep. like just like watch them because we don't have anything else to do <laughs> that's why i mean you know generally everything we talk about on this podcast is not related to anything that would put any kind of time stamp on it but that's why i feel the worst for people that are that age during all this covid uh, madness is because yeah. i like my uh, my wife's little sister uh graduated high school but it's just like all those things you get to do that last semester of your like high school senior mm. year, you're just like gone and, and forget about all the like proms and, and uh, oh, graduations, no. that kind of stuff. Just the hanging out, like just, just that thing that they couldn't do. I just, I just, cause that's the, all I did. Yeah. The hanging the out. Spring, summer, the spring, summer of your senior year in high school is it, it, I, there's something so magical about that five months that even when I smell the air and it like smells a certain way, oh, like yeah. it smells in the, like that the last month of school, like it takes me right back to that summer. So I'm so sorry, kids. Yeah, but it's it, like when, people when, say when we it'll say get it's better. The most important time of your life. It literally, yeah, it's all downhill. I don't. No, I mean, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's all. Blake's Chris, just trying to be nice. It's over. I, I wouldn't say it's all downhill from there. Uh, I would say that it's. Uh, but you should enjoy it while you can, because it's never going to be they can't. like that. But they, they can't. can't. Yeah. This so thing, never this will. thing that you don't get to experience, you never will we again. <laughs> and we can't put we can't put into words how wonderful it is. Uh, I mean, it makes. I'm not so listening sorry. to this podcast anyway because this is all. This is as old as Led Zeppelin was to us in 1998. So <laughs> they're not these None of these kids are going to listen to this podcast. I can promise you that. Uh, let's go to set the record straight. Chris. Is this another song about the label? I think it's got to be, right? Because, I mean, it says us. Yeah. I mean, that I seems was, like you're talking about the band. I mean, no, not necessarily. You can use a third person uh, I always loved, plural. I, I just, I always loved this song. Like, I loved all the different parts. I loved the dynamics of this song. Um, I love the heart. Like, they really come strong with the harmonies on this tune. Um, and the background vocals at the end. Like, you believe. I, I don't know. I've, I, this, this song's... I, don't know, I like it. God, this album's so freaking good. I love it so much. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Done well on that song. Kyle, what about you? I love this song. It's awesome. I don't know if it's about. I don't know if it's about it the, might label not be the label or like. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, but I mean, I I'm with you. Like I'm tracking. I just I I, I wish we could find out. We need Mike Herrera. I guess Chris, we gotta you want to call him? Down. I I can't call him, but I can just like like wait at all the grocery store, all the HEBs in yeah. Waco and just like try to come across them. Well, sir, 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 sir. So Hi. I, I mean, I love, sorry. It. I see, I see with your family. I'm not trying to interrupt. I just, I have, I have quick six questions or nine questions. <laughs> quick question. You know, you just want to give me your number. <laughs> Here's my card. <laughs> um, anyway, the song's great. 
and and I love that clip that clip you played the guitars that come in when it's just the bass dan dan I love that the freaking the the crunchy guitars man love them yeah cool let's go to get with it Kyle, thoughts on get with it with an exclamation point. I appreciate you letting me go first, Blake. Um, I don't know that I would have the courage to say this if I had to listen to what you guys said first. I think this song sucks. <laughs> I think I think it is not a good song. I think they have an album with 16 songs on it, and they did not have to put this on there. And that's how I feel. I, I'm, I, I'm annoyed by the fact that they're talking to a kid. I, 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 <laughs> oh my gosh. Chris is holding up a sign that says crap sandwich. Because well, I wanted to prove that I wrote buddy. it down before. Yeah, this song sucks ass. Why did they do? Why did they I put this song know. on there? God, it's garbage. I mean, and and I hate it if, too because I'm with you. I'm like, it feels you guys are doing so good, and then this just out of nowhere. Even the first time I listened to it at 16, I was like, it feels. I mean, I even pretended to like Phantom Menace the first time, but I couldn't stomach this. <laughs> you one. did. I remember when you came back. <laughs> I remember when you came back after like waiting in line because you you just have to do that to you go. Guys, to movie Jar Jar's theater, not that bad. And you were like, no, it's like you. <laughs> Yeah. You were like, no, it was great. And then by a couple of days later, it was like, it was it was pretty good. And then like, I don't know, by yeah. maybe a week later, you were like, I don't know. <laughs> With Phantom Menace. Uh, do you know what's funny is that I, keep in mind, I listened to this album for the first time today and I liked this song. It's your, <laughs> it's your Desert Island it song? It. Uh, or at least I was initially attracted to it. I mean, I agree. It does feel maybe a little out of place. Not in a crazy way, but it does feel a little out of place, maybe combined with the... And you're right, if you... If it feels a little bit out of place, it's like, well, maybe we just drop it (laughs) because we've got 15 other tracks. But I was initially attracted to it. I'm going to now go back and like really dive into this. I mean, I listen to it like two or three times a day, so I'm not the expert. I feel like you guys are going to... um, your opinion certainly matters more on this specific episode of this podcast um, because Dude, I am real fresh to this. They they phoned this one in. Like, there's just yeah. no question to me. I, Chris, I was annoyed immediately with this song. Like, yeah, immediately, immediately. Like, he's not even trying. He just wrote all these awesome songs, and now he's like, kid, quit it. Like, kid, quit it. Get yeah. with it. Like, that's what you've got for me. My career. Just rhyming it with it with it. Yes. With it. Yeah. yeah. And like after you write after you write all these brilliant songs for this record and you right. sound so awesome, you're gonna hit me with kid quit it. I I it, I'm still annoyed by it. Like it just it never it did not have to be on here. I just love yeah. that no matter the album, basically, we've had a couple that didn't get a crap sandwich rating, but there's <laughs> every one of these albums gets a crap sandwich from Chris. Uh not just like a meh. It's like, 
<laughs> crap sandwich vote. Uh, I love it. Well, it's, and it's great. Allow me to foreshadow, okay? Because like we're almost done. It pisses right, we are me off. Actually, towards the end of the record, it now. pisses that was track me off 14. because what they do next is so freaking cool and awesome, and they decide to put the one crap song at the the last right at the last of this record. Like, what the heck, dude? Yeah, throw this one at number six or eight or right. something. I don't know. To be yeah. fair, isn't this when everyone puts the bad song in their record? Is like for normal people, it's a ten, for normal people, it's track eight, you know, because it's a ten track record. Or if it's a twelve track record, right. it's like track nine or ten. It's always like you always know. I feel like those last couple tracks that you want to do on a record, and it's really easy to stack the front of the record. Like, and yeah. obviously you got 16 tracks here. So everyone's always got the first four tracks on lock. And then if you've got a normal album that's 10 or 12, you know, you know, maybe tracks 10 and 12, 10 through 12 or 11 through 12 or something. And then like that five through nine is kind of no man's land sometimes. So for a 16 I, track record, I think maybe track 14 is the right. I place guess to you're put right. I get 15 would have been worse. You're right. Yeah, 15's a worse place to put it for sure. But um but I get the I get the overall as we get more and more tracks on an album, you're right. It's like, dude, most people are expecting 12 songs. So give them 15 and they'll still be happy. Well, like uh, back then so, they're only getting paid for 12 songs, right? Isn't that like what every record uh, contract is? You're normally only in? getting paid for 10. 10. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, which is that's something... like a, a long play record was no, five, yeah. five. Yeah. No, they would just always, yeah. The labels for forever had this standard deal with any new people. You know, if you weren't an established artist, they were like, we're going to pay you for 10 songs on a record, which is why we get so many 10 song records. Cause yep. they're like, if I'm not getting mechanical royalties for the other two, I mean, they're getting the songwriting royalties on the other ones, just not the mechanical stuff. So they're only getting paid for 10, even if they make an album that's 17, 16 tracks long or whatever. Um, right. Which is such a scam. Now, I mean, once you're an established artist, they got to renegotiate that. And be like, no, I'm. I want as many songs as I put on there. You're gonna give me the money for. It. But you know that. So yeah, uh, I I do wonder if that was different on a on a punk rock band or not. If uh, if you really only got ten when you put they 16. do it by minutes or something. Minutes, yeah, that, minutes yeah. of music. I don't know. I bet they. I bet you're right. I mean, I bet that. Uh, uh, of course, if you're getting picked up from Tooth and Nail and going to a major label, that's probably a different record deal that they got than right. just if you just were the new guys on the block and didn't have any kind of um, success before that. So they might not they might have been getting paid but for. But I all think 16. I think that there were legends about like this record being bought by a A and M. Oh, right? instead of and, and and so like Ebel got paid for the record. And they well, of didn't. course, yeah. Right. Well, that, I mean, but that's normal. If yeah. you, if they, totally. if, the, if a label owns your masters, that's it, how it happens. Yeah. If they want to sell it, kind of thing. Um, which you know, that was just the case. It still is the case. I mean, uh, that you generally never get to own them, um, even if uh, you're Universal and you accidentally burn a warehouse down <laughs> full of them. It doesn't they're just gone? Sorry, uh, no backup copies. All right, let's go to track fifteen inches from life. Yeah. 
Chris Monnier. Thoughts on the second to the last, the penultimate track of this record. Solid tune, classic MXPX with the like scary sounding minor chord, harsh skate punk verse, and then the the bebop 50s beat. We're so happy. Ha 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 ha. I love it. Good song. Kyle. I agree. Solid tune. Still pissed off about the song before. Yeah. I I did. This was another <laughs> still, one that still I still a little angry. Yeah, it's hard to. You're like, this is good, but God, man, what were you guys? This was another one I looked up the uh, lyrics because it just caught my ear. That uh, I like the line. Yeah, uh, let's see. You ought to know you can be inches from life and never live at all. That's pretty uh, deep without being. I don't know, condescending yeah. about it. Does that make sense? It's, like it's not like yeah. it's the fray before the fray. <laughs> <laughs> This is the fray that, that was their biggest influence. The fray was MXPX. Yeah, uh, they did have a song like that, didn't they? But yeah. uh, I feel like theirs was way cheesier than that. Yeah. This was better. Um, okay, well then let's go to the final track on the record, which is uh, the theme fiasco. first question is is that them screaming on this track it doesn't sound like it is right it's someone else yeah no they had a guest vocalist i forget who it was kyle do you know i don't know i thought i oh. actually thought that was mike screaming so well it might be you, a combination okay yeah. i thought you were gonna be three for three on deep mxpx trivia man but, i'm uh, sorry i fail i fa- i feel like i failed everyone that's okay yeah, we'll uh, let it slide jeff jeff Be- bedker jeff bedker did some sc- that helped with the screams Gave him a little uh, girth. Thought girth? Say, <laughs> We're gave gonna some, have to bleep out that. Gave some girth Whoops. to the screams. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna have to edit that out for sure. That's offensive. Um, <laughs> Kyle, thoughts on the theme fiasco? Other than uh, not knowing who's screaming on it. Um, man, I love it, and one of my favorite things about it is like for me it opened my eyes to i knew my career was a great singer i knew that he was in this band that i loved and adored i did not know that he played the bass guitar like that and i think Ugh. that i i i really think that like this was his coming out party for the bass because like i know you've never seen him blake but like from this moment on i could not ignore what a great bass player he was he plays bass for Goldfinger now, like fantastic. Just, I mean, he's he's a singer, songwriter, frontman, great at all of those things. But he is a awesome, solid bass player, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Chris, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, what a cool idea! Like, hey guys, we're like this pop punk band. You know, we sing about like being a chick magnet and like relationships and. Let's just do like a balls out like instrumental for the very last track. Somebody told me, somebody in another band before this record came out told me that like the guy, I think the I don't know who it was, if it was somebody in the band or somebody around the band that like when when they were talking about the record that every because because Blake in the scene, 
everybody's like on pins and needles waiting for this thing to right. come out. I mean, this was a big, big Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was, I mean, we were all just huge. Felt, two years felt like a lifetime between records. You know, we we're just like, come on, you guys got to put something out. So everybody was talking about like this, this like uh final song, like how cool it was. And when I first, and when I heard it, I was like, dude, it's so good. Uh, by the way, after a little research, that's the lead singer of 90 pound was. Yep. I was, I was going to say, Oh yeah, sorry. No, yeah. it's fine. Nine pounds. I saw that you were doing that, and I wanted to steal that from his you. His coot. You saw the screen lighting up my face. <laughs> his, his, yeah, I was like, I'm gonna take this away from him, like I took away his diary at a young age. <laughs> his his cooties bandmate. Uh, well, that wraps up track by track discussion. So let's go to our. <laughs> yeah, it's now it's now 3 a.m. Central <laughs> Standard Time. We've gotten through the album, and now we're gonna t- round it out. Then we're gonna round it out with some lasting impressions. Uh, does it hold up? I think that it's pretty obvious from you two that you're gonna say yes, but uh, Chris, does it hold up? Yeah, it's fun to revisit. I probably listened to this record sixteen hundred times in my youth, so like it's one of those that I don't typically go back to a lot because I can. I don't even need to play it. Like I can just play it in <laughs> my head. Know it. I know every lyric. I know every word. I know every moment. Um, I can hear Mike, like when I hear party at my house, I remember like at the shows, he would always go, it would be like, nah, 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 nah. And he'd be like, this song's about having a party at my house. Let's do a shelf a favor and be there. And I'd always be like, that's weird. Cause you're about to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kyle, so, yeah. what about, what about you? I'm going to guess you're going to have the same opinion. Yeah. But. I mean, dude, I think it holds up. Like, I think it's, I, I do think. I've been, I listened to some of the the other episodes of the podcast and I do think this is the trickiest question because like all of our musical attention spans have gone right out the window in, in today's, you know, like we can have new, we can have it now. And so, you know, we don't even have attention spans for albums much anymore. Right. A lot of people are just give me the song that I like, put it on a playlist. And Um, so, and so, you know. I guess realistically, maybe none of these records uh, hold up in that way. But the truth is, like the like like Chris was saying, I was waiting for this album to come out, and like I don't know how much people do that anymore. I think people are excited about singles dropping, but like I was pumped and ready for this record to come out. I remember, I don't, I don't know if I got it at Mardell or not, but I remember immediately going out and getting it and loving it and listening listening to it nonstop and and so oh yeah um, over and over i think that i think it holds up in that like everything i love about it loved about it then i still love about it now it captures this moment in time that was just great for me um and and in my opinion there's just one stinker on it so yeah holds up is there a two-part question that we normally do is it their best and or most important album we'll go to kyle first I do think it's their most important album. I don't know that I think it's their best album. Chris? I should have thought about this question before you asked it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we literally asked the same one. Yeah, that's On every episode. I, uh, well, I think... And so by I best, I mean, big, by best, I mean, no, no, like, I it, it could be it. your favorite. I mean, like, it doesn't... Uh, there's I not read, I read somewhere this here. is their... I read somewhere this was their biggest selling album of all time. It went gold in 2000, so that wouldn't surprise me if, you know, that's pretty big for a record like this. Um, yeah, it's definitely their most important. They they crossed over from, like, playing, like, little dirty clubs into, like, 
opening for big bands and everything like that. But no, I don't think it was necessarily their best. I'm with Kyle on that one. But I don't know how to answer that yet. I'm going to think about that for next time. Yeah, obviously I cannot answer it, uh, being that I hadn't listened to it till today. Um, but I do feel like there's a clear, because I did listen to other albums, because I had the wrong album, uh, this is a very clear stepping stone between what came before and after. And... Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, because you listened to the next record already. Right, because I listened to Every Passing Moment first, thinking that's what we were doing, and then went back to this, and I can hear that, like, but still, they're super tight. They're really good musicians, obviously, and I I think that a lot of bands at this point, basically, after Green Day blew up gigantic, what happened for a lot of pop-punk bands or punk bands or anything is they just went immediately, because the major labels were basically like, just got to find the next one. They yeah. got to find the next one kind of thing. And so, so many people just had to jump, dive right into that and dive right into the production and dive right into the, and I think they clearly benefited from getting to do the kind of stepping stone thing and be a band for a longer period of time before they went to the major label. Um, and a lot of bands either just never made it. We probably never even heard of a lot of bands that got signed, made a record or it didn't quite work out and got dropped or whatever. It just never saw the light of day or they just didn't hit right or whatever. And then that's kind of it. You know, you're like chained to that label at that point. You can't go record with anyone else. You can't really be a band anymore. Um, and that was happening all the time in the late nineties, specifically with this genre, just because it was so huge because of, like I said, Green Day. And then, well, I mean, what, what happened in between Green Day and Blink? There was, there were, uh, uh, uh the uh, why can't I think of the name of the band? Uh, uh Offspring. Offspring. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like so. I mean, there were just some huge bands that, and so people were like signing these kind of guys a lot, and I feel like they benefited from the very little I've listened to, and the, and obviously they've had a long career, and I don't like that alone is success. You know what I mean? As far as there's not a lot of bands that were around in 1998 that still have careers where they can still tour and and do that kind of thing. So. So um, I think it, oh, benefit of them. Like as it, just to touch a little bit more on me saying like they're most important, everything that you just said about about Green Day, like okay, take that and then add this complete other dynamic. This is one of the first crossover bands that we see yep. a- outside of, you know, DC Talk that's like this is a Christian rock band that we can push in the mainstream market. They're going to they mm-hmm. sold decent records and like we were all around in this in the wake of this and it what it it i don't know for better or for worse um major labels were just dying to get their hands on playing both markets at this time and so yeah Yeah, which didn't happen very often because most of them weren't that good right absolutely that's the i mean it was like i mean i can only think of like four (laughs) from that era that were uh and you know if you make good music i think people like it you know and uh you know anyway that's a whole different podcast probably um desert island songs two or three of your favorites which is really hard in this case because there's 16 songs on this album uh chris uh desert island favorites definitely tomorrow's another day uh definitely invitation to understanding and then I just got to put Fist First Tacto on there's number three. I know it's short, so I feel like I'm wasting my choice. But song, like, it's a good song for just, like, uh, you know, awakening when, the senses. Windows Down. <laughs> it's a Windows yeah. Down song. 
Um, Kyle, you're two or three. I mean, it's not going to be two. Let's just go ahead and make I'll it three. I'll go three. There's 16 tracks, yeah. I did uh, Set the Record Straight, Invitation to Understanding, and Under Lock and Key. It's a great intro track. That is a good intro track. I mean, like I said, super fresh to this, but the three that hit me the hardest, or the earliest, would be... Uh, to be fair, I'd heard it before, but I'm okay, you're okay. That's a really good song. Under Lock and Key is a great opening track. And I think I'm probably with you, Chris, on Invitation to Understanding. That's like just, it was a good song. Caught my caught my ear. So, um, what about Nobody's Perfect? I think we already know this <laughs> since we've gone over it. I mean, it's get with it, right? That's what your guys' opinion is. Not mine, obviously, since I liked the song. Hey, I wrote yep. a note on. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> I I wrote a note that maybe you guys will enjoy. Uh, forget with it, and I didn't share it. It says, "When I'm okay, you're okay." Goes wrong. It's like <laughs> it's it's yeah. like the bad version of that song. And it's also yeah. it it's my nobody's perfect. Yeah, no no, no doubt about it. Uh, I don't know that I had one because, uh, like I said, I'm so fresh to it. So I don't feel like I can really uh, dog on a song two track or two spins in. So what about Grower Not a Shower? Is there a song you did not like at first on this record but now love? Either one of you, whoever wants to go first, if you've got one. I don't have one. I think um, for always, like since it was a little ballady, like, mm-hmm. and I like consider myself a pretty like super punk rock guy right, I think when yeah. i first heard it like you know i didn't it, you know it just didn't hit me the same way and then that, as i as i listened to the record more I, I liked it so if i had to pick one i'd say that one that that one had that effect on me what's this 136 bpm bullcrap <laughs> like yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey grandpa why don't you speed it up a little Oh man. Uh well this is fun. This is our first one to do where one of us was completely clueless. Uh so I appreciate you, you know, making me wiser in the MXPX ways. I now know what kind of MXPX tattoo is appropriate and which one is not. Uh I can't wait for all of my friends. I know all of I'm picturing all of them right now that are gonna message me on Facebook after I release this and they're gonna chastise me for admitting that I had not listened to this album before now. They can back um, off. I, th- I think you did great, Blake. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm looking forward Don't to it. Don't give any pressure. So I, well, I, you, I sent you that meme earlier yeah, today. That I said, was great. I said, I can't, maybe we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we I will these for guys, sure. Uh, that, that meme with the with the two hands interlocking and uh, one side says Switchfoot and the other side says MXPX and in the middle it says Reliant K. <laughs> like, there was definitely like the Switchfoot people and the punk rock people, but we all agree Reliant K rocks. That is, it was a a perfect meme for, uh, for what was going on here. Uh, well, thank you for listening. And again, if you like what you hear, please consider giving us a glowing review on iTunes. And of course, please subscribe so that those new episodes just show up right on your little mobile device or whatever you're listening on. Uh, and then you can send us comments, disagreements, or suggestions to info at finding, uh, sorry, info at finding and still not on Twitter. What? (laughs) I know they will not return my support request. I've sent probably 37 at this point. So I may never happen. We may just have to bite the bullet and get some stupid other Twitter handle. I've been holding off for this long, but uh, we are on Facebook at finding emo pod. That's a good place to do a little discussion in the comments. uh, And you can rag on me for not being an MXPX fan. Although after listening to these albums, I'm like, I probably was, I don't know why I wasn't really, honestly, it's right up my alley at the time. I just was, uh, like I said, 
didn't have enough lunch money apparently to go spend on records so uh, we will catch y'all next time 